Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to episode number 65. Today on TAP, I'm talking with Angela Mott all about teaching music internationally. You're listening to the Anacrusic Podcast with Anne Molesky, the music teacher and curriculum designer behind Anacrusic.com. This podcast is all about making your music teacher life more purposeful, sequential, and joyful, so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet, because it's time for another episode. guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast where I am so lucky and excited to chat with one of you, one of the top listeners. Today I'm chatting with Angela all about her experience teaching internationally, and she has some really, really great tips and some fun ideas to share all about what that experience has been like for her and her family. And not only is she chatting about the switch from teaching in the U.S. to teaching abroad, but she also made the switch at the same time from teaching middle school band to elementary music. So holy moly, y'all, she has some great ideas. And the biggest takeaway I got from this episode is all about the clarity being in the action. If you want to do a thing, if something sounds exciting to you or feels like it could be meaningful, it's just time to jump in and do it. And as you get into the process, you'll figure it out along the way. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Angela Mott. I'll about teaching internationally. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, everyone, where I'm talking with some of you all about your music teacher life. And today I'm so excited to have Angela Mott here to chat with us all about her teaching journey. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Why don't you start by telling us kind of your music teacher story? So describe your musical upbringing, what made you want to become a teacher, your education, all of that good stuff. Well, I come from a music teacher family. My dad is a a retired music teacher, so I've kind of been surrounded by music as a young child and, you know, started playing musical instruments at a young age, would go to all the band concerts and do everything Like that, I have two older brothers. They were both musicians as well. So I just kind of always had a love for music. I um, always wanted to be like my dad, so I wanted to be a band director. And uh, that's what I started my career as, being a middle school band director, just like him. And I never thought I would want to teach elementary music. In college, it was like, oh, I have to take general music methods. Like, oh, I I could never do little kids. But now I don't think I could ever go back to teaching middle school. (laughs) Kind of interesting how that all works out. But um, I'm a piano player by uh, like that was the first instrument that I started playing. And then woodwinds, clarinet. And then my main instrument is the bassoon. But, you know, you don't really play that in general music class (laughs) as much as the piano and things like that. Um, I went to college. I'm from Iowa. I don't know if you want to know where I'm from, but I'm from Iowa. Yeah. So I went to sc- I went to school in Iowa and then I went to the University of Northern Iowa and uh, got my music education degree there. 
Awesome. Yeah, I love this. So it's so funny because a couple of things, as I'm talking to more and more folks um, for these interviews, first of all, I'm surprised how many people come from like a musical family background. So like that's very similar to my story because my dad was a high school band director and I thought I wanted to be a band director, but I didn't go down that path ever. <laughs> so, but um, uh, maybe things would have turned out differently had I done so. Um, but I also have two older brothers that are very musical. So that's kind of fun to hear as well. Um, sweet. So after you graduated from college, what did your early teaching years look like? So I student taught in Arizona, which I just wanted to get out of Iowa, do something different. Um, and then I got a job teaching middle school band, fifth grade through eighth grade in a small town of 5,000 people. And that's where I met my husband, who was the high school band director at the time. So, um, so yeah, it was just a small school. I had three bands. I did have to teach a middle school general music class, which was nice because I thought it was like a technology type of class. So we did GarageBand and um, we made podcasts and awesome. fun things like, about different musical genres and things like that. Um, this was kind of just as teacher paid teachers was getting started. So there wasn't as many and like there wasn't any podcast or anything like that. I'm sure there were, but I didn't, you know, you didn't know about them right. as much. But I just was an element or a middle school band director and then I thought, well, maybe I want to do something different. I'm kind of tired of this small town living. And so then that's when I decided to make the move internationally and teach music internationally. Yeah, and that must have been something that you and your husband both do, obviously, right? So <laughs> is he still currently working as a band director internationally yep. as well? Awesome. Yep, we're both music teachers, and uh, we kind of went knowing that we still had our jobs in Iowa in case, like, we didn't find a job or if we weren't, you know, we weren't sure that's what we really wanted. Um, we knew that we could always go back to our current positions, but when we got offered a job in China, which was our first position, we're like, well... We can't say no. We just have to do it because we're young and we don't have anything to lose. So let's just go for it. That's awesome. So for anybody who doesn't know, excuse me, for anyone who doesn't know, and myself included, if you are interested in teaching internationally, so like that first job that you got offered in China, like what did it look like between thinking, okay, maybe this is a thing we want to do to getting hired? Like what does that process look like? So there's a lot of different ways you can actually go about it. You can talk to schools directly, but I think the most popular way is to sign up with a, I guess, recruiting agency, and then they have different job fairs um, internationally and within the United States. So I went to college in, at the University of Northern Iowa, and they host a very large international teaching fair there. So I've kind of already always known about international teaching or the possibilities of it since uh, college. And so I was like, well, let's actually go to the job fair. So you submit all your information and they, it's, they kind of, you know, have it. The schools have it. You can uh, apply to different jobs and then you go and interview for the position. So we interviewed for maybe four different positions. Now we're kind of, we're kind of unique because we're both music teachers. If you have a teaching spouse who's, you know, like a high school teacher or, um, you know, a specific, you know, say science, there's probably a lot more opportunities for you than two music teachers sure. um but yes yeah, so we just went to the job fair and they were looking for a high school band director at the time they didn't have an elementary music teaching position at the school we ended up going to but 
later after we already accepted the jobs, the teacher currently there had to leave. So it just worked out really well for us. And then I was able to jump into that position. Awesome. So it's really very similar to applying for a job here in the U.S. Where, where you'd kind of go through like the resume process and applying and checking out job fairs and that type of things. Awesome. That's great. So how long were you in that first teaching position? So in Shanghai, we were there for four years and I taught second through fifth grade music there. And that was my first elementary music teaching position. So when I found out that I was going to be, you know, switching from middle school band to general music, I was just like, okay, what do I need to do? You know, I talked to the music teacher at my school. I tried to get as many resources as possible because I had no idea, you know, what they had done in the past, what resources I had, like they had available. So it was just kind of, you know, getting all the information I could to start, to start, you know, basically a whole new job because really elementary is kind of very different from middle school band. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. And so did, um, how did you go about like finding those resources? Like, did you just gather things up from your current music teacher where you were before, or did you just kind of jump in the first day and say like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. And it was just like trial and error. Or like, what was your approach? It was a lot of trial and error. Um, I, th- I think, like I said, I think like teacher paid teachers was just kind of getting off the ground. Like there was definitely resources, but the music teacher resources weren't, as many as there are now. Um, I would just, you know, a lot of research on the internet to find folk songs. I didn't have any ORF training or Kodai training at that time. So I just did a lot of reading, talked to my elementary teacher at the time to see like what worked for her. I think I bought all the game plan books just to have, (laughs) just to have one resource. And then, you know, the Artie Amilda or those, dance the dancing books that they had or the movement books and so just so I had something to go on and then slowly after you know the first year I knew and there's that I had a co-worker also who was there so that helped to bounce ideas back on back and forth with yeah awesome I just asked because I think so often people feel rightfully so probably you can speak from experience a little overwhelmed moving from like secondary to elementary but a lot of it is really just getting in there and doing things and figuring out your own teaching style so I'm always curious that's a little off topic but I'm always curious to hear (laughs) how folks kind of approach all of that awesome so let's talk about what the actual school um either the one in Shanghai or any other teaching assignments that you've had um how those schools kind of function compared to U.S. schools and I think the biggest question at least I would have or the biggest fear I would have is any language barriers that there might be Um, but depending on the type of school that you're teaching at most of them are international schools when you take a teaching job abroad like this is that correct yes so I teach at an international school so the students there come from all over the world and they speak a variety of different languages so just like you would have in the states where you might have some english language learners you would you'll still have that internationally um i think the biggest differences that i've noticed are probably the schedule and class sizes okay um in when i taught in china I remember I came back and I took a workshop class and I couldn't even talk about my schedule to the other music teachers because my schedule was so much easier than theirs. <laughs> you know, they're talking about, oh, I only have 20 minutes, you know, 
everyday break to not do anything. And I was like, oh, well, I have like two hours off maybe twice a week or something. So it's very different, but that's not the case in every international school. Um, so I, the class sizes, you know, I would have anywhere from 20 kids in a class to 18. So quite small compared to U.S. class sizes, I think, depending on where you're at. Um, currently in du um, my school in Dubai, I'd have about 24, 25. Maybe the biggest class had 27. So I know I've heard some teachers, you know, they have 31 first graders and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, or <laughs> like, even more than that sometimes, right? Like if people, like yeah. a lot of my colleagues in Texas have double classes and so they have like right. over 40 in their classroom, um, which is interesting because if you think about it, um, with the international schools and then also like just depending on like you mentioned where you are in the United States, like where I live now in Washington is very heavily unionized compared to where I was anywhere in Texas, um, which is not a heavily unionized state. And so when I moved here, I felt the same way. I was just like, whoa, like I can't talk about this <laughs> because, or we maybe should be talking about it more because right. it, it was so much easier or accessible for me to do my job because, because things were, were laid out for me to be successful for my students. So that's interesting. Cool. Awesome. So your current position where you taught this past year was in Dubai. So I would just love to hear about that. <laughs> just what, what your school situation was like, maybe what your, like a day in the life of Angela looked like teaching at that school. So I taught there for two years, and then my first year I did a pre-K through second grade, and then the next uh, next year they added third grade. So there there was a total of four music teachers pre-K through fifth grade, um, which was great because we were able to collaborate and just you know share ideas and work with. Um, it was kind of divided primary and elementary. So the primary was the pre-K through second grade, and then elementary was third through fifth grade. Um, I had about three to four sections of each of those grades, and at first it was 55-minute classes, which with pre-K was a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully the next year it was only 40 minutes, and we saw them twice a week. Um, we have a variety, you know, just like a lot of classrooms, we have ORF, the ORF instruments, we have a lot of resources available to us, you know, technology, all the kids have iPads. Wow, cool. You know, we use in a variety of ways, not all the time in music. We have quite a bit. I was lucky enough, not all of the other teachers, but I had a very big open classroom. So I was able to do, you know, a lot of movement, a lot of different activities with the students. Um, but yeah, it's kids are kids and no matter where they are in the world. So, you know, you have behavior issues, you have different things that you have to deal with parents and um, the teachers and, you know, fighting for different things. So it's, all in all, I'd say it's not that much different than teaching in the States, but, but, but otherwise, you know, it's, yeah, just kids are kids and you get to share music with them no matter what or where they are. Yeah. I think that that's such an important point. Cause I think we forget that no matter, I mean, there's, there's certain challenges depending on your teaching situation, right? Like if you're in a private school versus a public school versus an title one school versus an international school versus whatever, there's always things that are different throughout our campus experiences or our environments, but kids are kids are kids, right? And they just want to be there and they want to be 
perspective. Um, what types of things do you notice in terms of like a community or like parent involvement when it comes to international school? Is it maybe increased or not as present depending on the school? It probably depends where you are again, but. Yeah, I think it would depend. And also like as a music teacher who doesn't have like that home-based classroom, I don't see it as much as I, I would feel like the other teachers would if you're like the homeroom teacher, but parents would be involved. They'd come to all the events that we had and they'd be interested in their students learning or their grades and whatnot. But it's not the same because they're, it's such a transient community and, you know, the, they, every, the teacher or the student could have a different teacher every year versus, you know, when they're in the States, they could have the same music teacher K through eighth grade, whoever, whatever the teacher who's been there for, you know, 80 years or whatever. Yeah, no, for um, real. yeah. So it's a lot transient, but the, the parents are supportive. I did find a difference, like wherever you are in the world, um, the like relationship with music culturally is very different. So in Asia, you know, music seemed to be a very important part of the student's life. And a lot of the students took private lessons or, you know, tried to learn an instrument outside of school. And I'm not finding that as the same in Dubai or with the students that I've taught in Dubai, but there are a few that, you know, music is, seems important in their life. And that's, again, just could be different wherever you go in the world. Right, for sure. But yeah, but the community, it's it, the teaching community is nice because you have a lot of teachers there and you're all coming from the same experience. Uh, there is a association for music and international schools that provides opportunities for teacher professional development as well as student professional development. Right. And there's been a lot of opportunities in Dubai bringing people in to present workshops and different things. Awesome. Yeah. But you yeah. don't have, you know, like you don't have the the chapter share or the monthly meetings that you have in the States, which is kind of a bummer because those are really nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the student population is transient, but the teacher population can be as well, right? Because yeah. like you were saying, you'd have a different teacher every year. And that's interesting to think about because I think kind of the maybe not the goal, but what we would all hope as music teachers is that we would see the same kids year after year after year after year. And so, so that we could have that continuity and like that sequencing throughout. So how did you kind of approach that or how do you approach that rather if you are moving campuses and you don't see the same kids, like how does that work with curriculum for you? It's very challenging. We, it's very challenging. We just actually kind of talked about that in at my current school with, you know, we have four music teachers. So what would be the best way to benefit our students? Like should one teacher just do the early years so they see those students and can really develop those skills. And then we have someone do, you know, first through third grade and so on. But um, again, you have to have the administration support to do that. And you have to really just have your ducks in a row. So um, it is challenging to do that because you know, in the two years that I was there, I didn't see the same students, and I mm -hmm. only saw half of the students. So mm -hmm. it can be challenging because if I had a student in first grade and then again in second grade, okay, they knew my style of teaching, they had the same ideas or knew my expectations, but then I could have all different second graders and not have any of my former yeah. students. 
So it's definitely a challenge. Um, thankfully, we, you know, we have great coworkers and we're, you know, we have streamlined things, you know, like the rhythm syllables and kind of the methods that we're going to use so that that is consistent throughout. Yeah, so there's some familiarity, you know, and that's something, again, talking about similarities and differences between what you've experienced in kind of a classroom here in the U.S. is that a lot of times, you know, particularly at a Title I campus, you have that transient population as well, and it's not always just at the beginning and the end of the year, which I'm not sure if this has been your experience as well, but it can happen throughout the year, and particularly like in January, there seems to be like a big turnover, so um yeah. So what other like similarities or differences have you noticed um, teaching abroad as opposed to schools here in the U.S.? Yeah, I would agree with what you just said. We have a lot of kids move middle of the year or come mm-hmm. in middle of the year. And, you know, you kind of have that moment of, OK, what do I do with the student? You know, we're already on half notes or whatever. And he or she doesn't know any any of these rhythm syllables. So it's, it, it can be like hard to. To, to get them to jump in or whatever. But yeah, um, students pay to go to the schools that, you know, private, it's kind of like a private school setting. Um, so that might be different, but they, I, I, like I keep saying, it's not that much different. You know, they, they're cutting music and art positions. They're, they're not as supportive as some schools are. And again, this is just my school experience. Um, my husband taught at a different school in Dubai and it's not the same situation there. So, you know, you have to fight for, I think one year they were talking about putting the music and art teachers on a cart and we were just like, absolutely not. So, (laughs) you know, you, you just have to really, again, just be on your toes and make sure that you're doing what's right for the kids and validating your job and which you shouldn't have to validate job because you're doing a great job and it's important but yeah, all the things that I feel like a lot of your listeners have to do, I have, I've had to do just in a different country. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I think sometimes, or at least, you know, the more I talk to folks who have had experiences like you have, and we've said it before that, you know, the, the situations are similar in a lot of ways and the kids are similar in a lot of ways. And I think sometimes we think, oh, you're working at like a private international school, like everybody must just, you know, kind of bow down when you walk through the halls and it's just, I mean, teachers have the same kind of struggles throughout. So, so in a way, and in kind of a not great way, it's, it's comforting to hear that it's just kind of the, the nature of the gig, I guess. So, so for anybody who might be listening, who might be interested in getting started with international teaching, um, I have two questions. First of all, I want to know what tips you have for, um, teachers who are interested in this, but also what's been your favorite part about teaching internationally? Well, if you're interested in teaching internationally, you should just go for it. I don't, I mean, it's kind of like, Oh, should I go on this vacation or, you know, what you just got to do it. Um, if you kind of, when we were offered the job in Shanghai, we, I remember sitting there thinking like, okay, what are we going to do? And we both just had to say, we have to, we have to say yes, because we might not get offered a job again. We might not ever go to the job fair or whatnot. So, I mean, I've worked with people who've had, you know, a fan who are later in their career with older kids who move internationally and they love it. And the opportunities for their students or their children are wonderful. Um, you meet people from all over the world. You're able to travel. Um, so it's a really pretty nice, nice gig. And um, you just, 
just got to look out there and it's all about who you know. Um, my husband, the, the choir director that he works with is from the same state as we are. And, you know, he did his student teaching there or something. There's just like weird connections all around. And he went to a small liberal arts college and there's probably 30 music teachers that went to the same college that teach internationally. And they're all music teachers. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just something you, if you're interested, just look, you know, look out for connect with other international teachers or sign up for a job fair and just go for it. What was the other question? <laughs> what's your favorite Sorry. thing? Oh, it's, those are awesome, awesome tips. So what's your what's your favorite thing, or have been some of your favorite experiences um, teaching um, I think well, obviously, like outside of the profession, like teaching, it's I've been able to travel the world, which is I ne something I never thought I would do, um, and just I have been able to meet people from all over the world, also, which is nice. And now we have, you know, they always say you're your coworkers or your, they become your, your friends become your family because you're so far away from your family. And um, so it's true. Like all of my friends have really become, you know, your second family and we visit them in their home countries or their hometowns, or now that we've moved away, they come and visit us. So it's really kind of like a close knit community, which is really special to have when you're not, you know, by people who are your family. Yeah. But like that something else that's favorite. Just I guess like meeting meeting new people every year and find making those new connections. So when I go back in August, even though I won't be teaching, you know, there'll be sixty so sixty or so new people that are coming in to work at the school and you know, maybe they'll be your new best friend or maybe you'll never see them again. Who knows? It's just it's kind of up and down every day, but it it keeps you on your toes for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to add before we kind of sign off? Or this has been super informative. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, when I did my ORF training at St. Thomas, I think there was four other international teachers there. And so, you know, we're just, we're just like you guys. We're not that different. <laughs> and, um, and it's great to have these resources like your podcast and other podcasts available so that you have, you know, for those people who are, new to elementary teaching or new to just want something different, you know, there's those resources, which is super helpful. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for being a part of it and sharing your experience for everybody who's listening. I know that folks have probably definitely gotten some good information out of it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on anacrusik.com. While you're there, join the Top Insiders community on Facebook, where you can collaborate with Anne and other music educators. Also, if you found this episode entertaining or informative, don't forget to share with your music besties and leave a review on iTunes. The Anna Krusik Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcasts.com.